0: Hello and happy Tuesday. I want to place an advisory at the beginning of this episode if you haven't already seen the title. This episode will be discussing the psychology of rape and sexual assault as well as victim stories. If you are sensitive to the topic please do not listen beyond this point or this warning. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted and you need support, please contact the RAINN Antisexual Violence Organization at 1-800-656-4673. They do also have online chat services that are available at www.rain.org. I know that this is going to be a heavy topic for a lot of people. In fact... I don't think I know anybody (laughs) that has not been sexually assaulted. That is truly shocking to me. Because as a little girl, I never thought that it would be this common. We teach young children to be careful of strangers. We, uh... Tell ourselves that we need to be aware. We tell ourselves that it could never happen to you. And then before you know it, everything that was told to you becomes a complete blur. Because there's a lot of things behind rape that and sexual assault that um, is not properly delved into. In science, at least back uh, in the 80s, we love the 80s, uh, there was an author by the name of L. Ellis that studied, I guess you could say, the science of rape and gave it specific theories behind it. Uh, One of those theories being that rape is an extreme response to natural selection pressure which has favored male assertiveness in attempting to complete the numerous, you know, to copulate with numerous uh, sex partners. I got to say that again. The theory was that rape is an extreme response to natural selection pressure, which has favored male assertiveness in attempting to copulate with numerous sex partners. This was published in 1989, which, you know, most of us know people. (laughs) We're still alive from 1989. It's a very outdated theory, but there are still a lot of people that believe this to be true. It is and should be noted that rape and sexual assault is not about sexual gratification or sexual interest, it's about power. There was a video that I saw, a male podcast, an all-male podcast it looked like, discussing you know, rape and rape victims about, um, you know, the aesthetics of a woman and what may cause her to be raped. And one of them made a very snide comment about how it's usually the 300 pound blue haired women that get brushed up upon on, in Walmart and all of a sudden they're claiming sexual assault. It's just like, I don't Victoria's Secret models, those are the only ones that are you know at risk for being raped. So if you're not pretty or you're not sexy or you're not hot, don't worry about it because you won't be raped. Which is not true. Not true at all. Again... It's about power. I oftentimes discuss in my episodes that we cannot control other people. We cannot control their actions. We cannot control their thoughts as much as we may try. We can't control those things. It's just not something that is within our control, our immediate control. So it doesn't matter if you're dressed up or dressed down, if you're size 2 or size 12, it doesn't matter. If a person is going to target you, a lot of the times there's nothing you could have done personally within yourself, apart from maybe get some kick-ass self-defense skills, right, that could have stopped or prevented it. Hamby, the founding editor of American Psych Association's Journal of Psychology of Violence, wanted to emphasize that rape is not considered a behavioral or mental disorder, but a criminal offense. There are a lot of rapists that might be plagued with a psychological disorder, but there is no actual disorder that actually compels people to rape another person. But as I mentioned earlier, there are a lot of evolutionary biologists such as Mr. Thornhill and Craig Player who believe that there's this kind of, uh, you know, a primary motive behind rape and that it is about the sex. It is about getting the rocks off and, you know, oh, this is an attractive woman. I'm going to take her – you know, against her will. Or even a woman, right? You know, she's going to take this man against her will or whatever. There still are a lot of people that think this way. And I want to hit you guys with some very important statistics about what is true and what isn't. One in five women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. Most actually on college campuses. It's between 20 and 25% of women. Eight to nine out of ten women actually know who the rapists are. And there's actually a lot of, uh, you know, kind of skating around nonviolent assault. And how that trauma isn't always loud. Rape and sexual assault isn't always like the movies where, you know, you see a victim being attacked or raped and they're being hit and they're being punched and they're being attacked, physically attacked. It's not always, it's not always that case. Again, a lot of the times it's somebody that you know And I did discuss a little bit about my past and how I believed that it would help some people realize that it isn't always, you know, this insane, dramatic, you know, running down the street with no clothes type of scenario when you're assaulted. And I'm kind of sad to say that I personally have been assaulted on three separate occasions by people that I knew. It would have been four had I not been able to get out of that situation myself. And you don't realize how damaging a situation like that can be when you realize especially as a you know as a woman how there's very little um control over the situation when a man is overpowering you the 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 very distinct difference in strength between a man and a woman and I joke around sometimes between the difference of man strength and woman strength and how big the gap is between man's strength and woman's strength, and how easy it is for that no to be pushed to the side, how easy it is for that stop to fall on deaf ears because there's nothing that you can physically do, a lot of us, there's nothing that we can physically do to prevent or stop it. And a lot of us, a lot of women that I know, including myself, were too afraid to stop something that was happening because we were afraid of what the reaction would be. Is this person going to hurt me? Is this person going to kill me? If I don't just lay there and take it even though I said no. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing. It's a very scary thing. And those who know me know that I've, you know, spoke, I've told, you know, friends and people that are closest to me the times that I have been assaulted. And how damaging it was in my youth and in my adulthood. Even now, I hold it very much close to me as I react a certain way to certain things. I feel it feels easier to be inside myself than it is to be outside and taking a risk and being, you know, holy with somebody. And I realize that it affects me in those ways because it's it's just one of those things. It's just one of those things that we don't we can't really prepare for and some of us have daughters now or sons and I want to emphasize because I do have a largely male audience men are sexually assaulted too by women and even less of them go forth and report it they're sexually assaulted by men and women Men are sexually assaulted by men and women, you know, and it's the, the, you can't really, um, you can't really put many words into how traumatizing an experience is until you're in it, until it's over. And then you realize all the fallout of what happened before or after rather. And there's several reactions to sexual assault. There's fear responses, right, where, where, like I mentioned before, you fear at the time of the assault of being physically injured or killed. You know, and a lot of the times we associate, uh, you know, these, these fear responses are associated with, uh, you know, the assault right, like sight, sound, smells, thoughts, those that, that fear can persist for weeks and months and years for people. Losing control, the sense of feeling like you don't have control over your life because that sense of will was taken away from you. There is a portion of you that was taken against your will. It's like being robbed, right? It is being robbed. Victims get flashbacks where they re-experience the assault. There's trouble concentrating, guilty feelings. A lot of the times we feel dirty. There's depression associated. Our relationships get disrupted. There's a lot of fear and anxiety. And people react different ways in these fearful situations you know there's physical mental and behavioral reactions to these types of things sometimes we experience all of them sometimes they experience uh, their experience separately um but you know sometimes they occur simultaneously and they interact with each other there's the physical reaction when we're faced with danger right you know your heart starts to race, your blood pressure increases, your muscles get tense. This is when, you know, uh, this this is what we would call, you know, the fight or flight response. Um, When we feel like we're being threatened, our bodies automatically get ready to fight or run away. And sexual assault victims first experience physical reactions to danger during the attack itself. And then weeks or months later, the victim may experience... You know, those pan- basically panic attacks, which are reminders to the assault. And there are some people, a lot of people, that don't have the fight response to physical reactions, especially if it's an attacker that you are familiar with. You know, we spoke about the, the nonviolent side of assault, where you say no you say no, you say no, and they persist anyways. They schmooze you, they keep touching you anyways, and, you know, it, it just keeps going. Some people don't have that fight response because it's, you know, the slow knife still cuts just as painfully. Then we have mental reactions. And sometimes it's not the physical reaction, but more so an emotional response that triggers or stimulates the fear that you felt or currently feel. And it's not unusual for a victim to feel like the person that assaulted them is going to come back and harm them again. And this is especially true, again, for people that they don't report. And a lot of the times, uh, certain places or things will uh, trigger these thoughts. I remember for the longest time I couldn't be around uh, a salt lamp because I, you know, it was triggering this uh, this sense of like fear in me. Uh, because at the time, you know, one of the people that almost assaulted me, the person that would have been number four, that almost assaulted me um he had a salt lamp in his room and i distinctly remember you know during this this time i distinctly remember just trying to focus on that lamp because it felt like there was that there was the only that was the only bit of light and warmth in that entire space and had i not had more of the mindset um that I did then you know when I've been assaulted you know previously I probably would have avoided a lot of those because I was able to get up and just be like hey you know what my mom knows where I am she's she's waiting on me I have to get out of here and he decided that it wasn't going to be smart if He, If I was in a place where somebody knew, you know, my location, right, it could be traced back to him. And the mental reactions to those things, right, they can manifest in the form of night terrors, nightmares, difficulty concentrating. um, And, you know, it really does feel virtually uncontrollable at times. And that feeling of not feeling safe is something that can really weigh on your shoulders. It's like carrying a, uh, you know, a 200-pound person on your shoulders sometimes. And it might make somebody feel like they're going crazy. And other times there's more of a behavioral reaction which I experienced on a daily basis after the fact you know there was a lot of um, fear and anxiety associated with me leaving or going out with new people or being out in new situations I would avoid anything that might seem intense I would avoid um, anything that might spark fear and anxiety which would be You know, being picked up in somebody's car. Not being able to drive myself to places, right? Um, And I would go to great lengths. A lot of people know this. I would go to great lengths to avoid people and situations that might remind me of the time that I was assaulted. I would avoid it. And there was, and I, what sucked is that I saw it in everything. I would see it in everything, it felt like. And it just more so fueled that fear of, I can't leave. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't do this. I can't do that. And the whole reason for bringing this up, I know that there's a lot of women and men out there. The whole point of this episode is to bring awareness. You know, there's a lot of talk, you know, I talk a lot about consensual sex and being um, okay with yourself emotionally and physically, being comfortable in your skin, loving yourself. And a lot of us struggle with this, when there is a sexual response or a sexual trauma response that's, that's still kind of loading that you haven't um, been able to work through or haven't been able to, um, you know, talk about in therapy or anything else. And sometimes we can't, you know, Google away our um, mental responses. Sometimes we do need help. Sometimes we do need to talk to somebody. and figure out, okay, what are we gonna do here? What are we gonna do with this? And, you know, again, I know this episode is going to be very heavy for a lot of people. I wanna have as many resources as I can available to people that are victims of sexual assault, and this is for men and women. I don't ever, not for one second, do I want anybody to think that I believe that sexual assault is something that only happens to women. It may be uh, greater in women, but we really don't know because of the small amount of men that actually report sexual assault. I don't even think that we could get an actual uh, uh, statistic on that, truth be told. Because of how little men are willing to report such a terrible thing. And I want to let everybody know. If you are a victim of sexual assault. If something was taken from you. And you had no choice. Don't beat yourself up over it. It's not your fault. A lot of the times, we don't have control. Most of the time, we don't have control over what another person is going to do or how they're going to react. And again, it can be anybody. Explain this to your kids. You don't need to have something specific between your legs to be a target for somebody that is craving that dominance over another human being. It doesn't need to be a stranger for it to be plausible. It can be family. It can be family friends. Cousins. It can be anybody. Anybody. and it's important to have this this knowledge in the back of your head to be able to explain and educate people properly to realize the signs if you are raising children to realize the signs in and behavior So that you're better prepared for something like this. One in five women will be sexually assaulted in their lifetime. One in five. In my household, we have three women. Two out of the three women in that household have been sexually assaulted. And that to me is astonishing. I want everybody to take some time to decompress from this episode. Take a walk, get some fresh air, journal, listen to some music, have some tea, relax. This was a very heavy topic. And as always, my DMs are always open. It's a non-judgmental zone for anybody to talk about anything that might be bothering them. Again, if you or somebody that you know is a victim of sexual assault and you want to talk to somebody, you can call the Rain Anti-Sexual Violence Organization at 1-800-656-4673. They do have online chat services available too on their website. I love all of you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week.